This is the Mindfulness and Productivity Systems Podcast with Dr. Serene Sharif. This is a space where we explore how mindfulness, productivity systems, and our thoughts create the magic in our life. I'm here to help and support you if you are struggling with overwhelm and burnout, and you're looking for tools to take control of your time, mind, energy, and productivity. I'm your host, Dr. Serene Sharif, and I am a general surgeon, medical educator, mom to three wonderful children, and wife, which were all instrumental in my journey to be a productivity and burnout coach. I'm excited to share my tools and unique framework to build a community so no one has to go through this alone, empowering each other to find our way out of burnout and overwhelm. We will explore how my mindfulness and productivity systems framework can help you combine the energy of mindfulness with the scientific principles of habit building and your unique systems of productivity. My framework is designed to help you find clarity, design your dream life, and create your transformation. We'll discuss how to overcome limiting beliefs and obstacles that are standing in the way of your dream life, as well as how to create and sustain your new habits in a way that will allow you to finally ditch your willpower and motivation struggles and have more time and energy to live your best life. This is episode number 20. Last week, we discussed what it means to write our own story and explore what sparks our joy. I hope you had a chance to explore what could be sparking your joy and what would be a small step that you might take to start incorporating more of what sparks joy for you in your everyday life. Now this week, I'd like to continue that conversation on sparking joy and owning our story. And what I'd like to explore with you is what is a keystone habit? Now I have discussed keystone habit and what that could mean in a few episodes before, but today what I'd like to do is really just discuss what is a keystone habit and how can you incorporate that and create the change that you want to see in your life. One of the first place that I had read about Keystone Habit is in a book called The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. For anyone who's interested in habit psychology and really exploring some of the neurobiology behind habit, I would highly encourage this book. It is fascinating. So Charles Duhigg talks about Keystone Habits as a small change or habit that we introduce into our routines that then go on to affect every other aspects of our lives. So for instance, a keystone habit for one person might be to quit smoking. And by quitting smoking, then it leads to choosing healthier nutritional options, increasing your fitness routine, making healthier choices when it comes to relationships, and so on and so forth. So a keystone habit is really just this fundamental piece of your whole daily structure, your whole daily routine. And by changing this one thing, it allows you to change all of the other aspects that you want to. This sounds fascinating because I know a lot of people, they would like to make 10 different habit changes in their life, but they're not quite sure where to start or what would create the best and biggest impact. So what I would recommend is for myself as as well as for anyone who's interested in making habit change as a way to transform your everyday routine is to really think about what are the things that are going on in your life right now? What are small changes that you might be able to incorporate that could change your everyday life? The things that we explore at this point is your physical health, your mental and emotional health, your career, and 
and and passion projects, as well as your relationships and the community that you're a part of. Explore what are the changes that you are wanting to see and then just grade them one to five, if you will, starting from number one, the thing that you think might make the biggest difference to number five, the thing that you might make the least amount of difference. And for the most part, we typically know what are the things that would create the biggest impact. We do fundamentally, we know ourselves, we can explore what are our struggles, and we're going to be able to figure out what is going to be the most important thing in our life in comparison to anyone else being able to tell you. Sometimes you might have to experiment with maybe number one or number two on your list. What I would recommend is, again, for you to explore what are the things that could make the biggest difference, then experiment with your number one and number two, maybe even number three, see how it can create a shift. Another example, just to give you an idea, is is perhaps a keystone habit could be waking up and having a morning routine, or it could mean, or it could be adding fitness to your everyday life. Maybe walking 10 minutes every day in the morning before you get started with your day, etc. So there are many ways to explore this. And as we're going to talk more about habit change over the summer months, what I want you to recognize is that habit change works best when you layer it. So you might want to wake up at 5 a.m. and join the 5 a.m. club and have this really detailed, intricate morning routine. But if you're used to waking up at 10 a.m. and now you want to be, you want to wake up at 5 a.m., that's not going to happen overnight. The best way to create long-lasting habit changes is to create small steps, small incremental changes, and keep building on it. And like I said, to layer your habits. So as an example, let's take the morning routine. And typically, when people look at morning routines they incorporate a they incorporate a few different practices within this so they might include a short fitness routine they might include a, a breathing and meditation or spiritual practice into it and they might also include a breakfast routine or for those who might be intermittent fasting they might include maybe hydration so all of these are great things to add but if you're trying to make all of these changes in one one setting then you're really setting yourself up for failure. So what I would recommend is when you're starting, for instance, we'll keep with the example of the morning routine, go ahead and start by waking up 15 minutes early and just slowly work your way to whatever you want it to be, 5 a.m., 6 a.m., 8 a.m., whatever it is. And I would add one habit change at a time. So for instance, perhaps waking up and doing a simple fitness routine, which might include a couple of minutes of breathing exercises as well as as well as adding a meditation routine and start with five minutes or if that's too much start with two minutes we all want to make this big change and we want to see the results and unfortunately this will push us to fall off the cliff and stop doing any of these changes so the best would be if you could create small changes and have it be consistent and long-lasting so 
start by doing two minutes, then you can increase to five minutes, increase to 10 minutes, and soon you'll find that you have this amazing morning routine really built in and it is consistent and persistent more than you could have ever imagined. If you're interested to explore more on habit building and really creating a successful, long-lasting change in your daily habits, then then explore, then join me on my Facebook group where I where I share various strategies to get this going in your life, as well as explore the resources that you can find on my website, serenitywellness.com, serenitywellnessmd.com. You can also find this information in the show notes. Creating effective habit change that is long-lasting and giving you the level of productivity, energy, and mental clarity is completely within your own control, and I would be happy to help you. We'll be exploring with my special guest today what it means to live our authentic life and biohack our health. So I can't wait to share more as we continue this journey of self-discovery and building tools to live our best life. I hope you'll tune in for future episodes and I look so forward to connecting with each and every one of you. I'm so excited to welcome my guest today, Dr. Ali Novitsky. Dr. Novitsky is the CEO and founder of her company, Life Coaching for Women Physicians. She's a life and weight loss coach, board certified pediatrician and neonatologist, national speaker, blogger, and host of the podcast, Life Coaching for Women Physicians. Hi, Ali. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. This is amazing. I'm really excited to talk with you today. I'm so excited to have you as well. And I know that you've really navigated so many different things as far as all the different hats that you wear, being a physician, being an entrepreneur, being a mom. Um, I'm sure our listeners would love to hear more about your journey and how you've really pulled all those threads together. Yeah, it's funny how much time you have because it's a long one, but not really. I have it condensed because actually when I think about the journey, journey, I think the truth is that it all fits very well. And I think the reason why it fits really well is because it really comes back to my why. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy to share, but really, I think growing up my, my dad, he's a physician, but his office was in our house and my mom, she had her career before she had kids and she stayed home with us. And so really the foundation of where I came from was very family focused. Mm-hmm. So just my dad's a rural doc and his patients would bring him pies as payment. <laughs> they were part of the family as well. So I think at the core, it's really all about family. And so my journey really starts with, I wanted to be a doctor from the time I was in kindergarten Mm -hmm. and it really had everything to do with my dad. And I think actually my two brothers also went into medicine. And I think that just really speaks to, we saw him practice medicine in a way that really impacted so many people. And so that's why I had no doubt in my mind, I was going to med school from the time I was in kindergarten. And that's what I did. I went to college, got into med school, went that whole route, but I never in anticipated what would happen when I got married and when I had kids. And so I think really that's where probably the shift of the journey really started for me. So Mm -hmm. I went into neonatology and loved it so much. And I also love that you could do shift work and there was some flexibility. I'm a very outside the box kind of thinker. And what I found was that went through a really intense fellowship, loved every second of it. But then at the end of my fellowship, I had my first child and everything changed. 
Right. Everything changed. So the even that's what kids do. They totally, man, they really messed that up. But I had envisioned having this really long career in medicine, but she was Mm -hmm. born and I was in my first job, a fairly academic job. It was also research was involved. Mm -hmm. So it was really time consuming. And I knew that wasn't the job. So I actually wound up switching to another clinical job. Again, had some academic affiliation with it, but was more clinical based. So Mm -hmm. I was able to have time off. It was more shift work style. And what I found is still wasn't cutting it. I wanted to be home more. Mm -hmm. It it was such a juggle. My husband's in medicine as well. And it it was such a juggle of just trying to have time with my daughter. Mm -hmm. And so I knew at that point that this wouldn't be something that I would want to do much longer. And also my husband was traveling a lot for his job. And so we had three nannies and it was just Mm -hmm. so complicated. Like I'm a simple person. I really am. And it was complicated. And so Mm -hmm. around that time, a job came up. And at this time, there was no idea that I'd ever be an entrepreneur or start my own business. But (laughs) a job came up with an organization where they were looking for a neonatologist to join their team and be uh, basically on an expert team to be able to advise insurance plans and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And I was shocked because salary was better. No Mm -hmm. nights and weekends. It was scheduled time and structured time. And I was having that thought of, I can't do this to medicine. How can I sell out like Mm -hmm. this? I'm only five years in, right? Seems to be a lot of what I hear from my clients now. Mm -hmm. And my husband said, well, if you don't sign the contract, then I'm going to. And (laughs) so there you have it. I signed the contract. I stayed on as a moonlighter initially at Mm -hmm. my job and I pursued this non-clinical job. And so this was when my youngest daughter, because I had a second baby in that Mm -hmm. time frame, she was about nine months when I made this transition. And it was great at first, but it was a lot of time commitment still. And I was working a lot of hours and I'd see the nanny playing with the kids. And here I am (laughs) just like typing away. And it was around that Mm -hmm. time, I'd say about a year in that I attended a retreat at Miraval and there was uh, another physician coach there. And I was blown away Mm -hmm. at what she was doing. She was a physician coach and she was helping a lot of people. And knowing I have such a passion for health, I always have, I'm an athlete and I've always helped people. I used to help my father's patients like lose weight. It's just really interesting how this is all fitting. And I started to think about what if I could do my own thing? Mm -hmm. What if I really had control over my schedule, my time, and still was able to make it work to support myself? My dad always taught me, you always want to be able to support yourself. You want to be able to do that for yourself. And I think for me, that's really important. It's just, it's not, I don't think it's important for, it doesn't have to be important, but for me, it's something I want to do. I want to contribute in that way. And I reached out to the other coach and what do you know, there was a spot in the coach training that she went to and I was ready. I signed up for coach training. Just about the time I signed up for coach training, I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden people started asking for my help with their health. And so I started Mm -hmm. taking clients right away. And the coach training was about six months. And in that time, I pretty much had my program ready to roll out by the six month mark when I was finished. And I'd say I started enrolling. I started enrolling. Mm -hmm. It was women physicians in my mind, body marriage program. That was my first program. It was successful and people were making huge changes and people were getting great results. And I started getting busier and I came to this kind of fork in the road where you might have to leave your current job to have the time to really what you're passionate about. And I have to tell you at that time, everything was aligning. I did have control over how much time I could be with my family. I could control the schedule, but I was 
having a greater impact on medicine. And so I think when I was able to get my thoughts behind the idea that by helping other women physicians live their best lives, then really the exponential impact, it's a bigger impact. So I'm having, so because of that thought and that belief, it was a no brainer for me. So in 2018, yep, 2018, I made the decision to go all in on my business. Wow. That's awesome. And here we are. What a journey. And, and what's, what's one of the main things that you remember, even from like 2018 to now, when you think about, because I'm sure that there were many of these ups and downs, what made this a better fit for you than all of the other side branches that you had explored? Really interesting. I love that question because I've thought about that before. And all I can tell you is I have a colleague who is an excellent neonatologist and she would always get cards from families and she would get gifts from families and she would get phone calls from families Mm -hmm. and she would show up to work. So just excited every single day. And I was good at my job. I, I gave great care. I loved my job, but there was this passion piece that I could see a difference where she had this like true, like relentless passion. That's how I feel about what I do now. So the realization of being an entrepreneur, it's not the easy road. Okay. Because it's right. It's constant twists and turns and you're constantly having to have the energy and stamina to keep rolling with it, to find what's going to work, to find the success, to stay true to your why. And so the fact that I can show up every day as fired up as I am from the day before, and I have just this, like, I don't want to stop. And so I think for me, it's the, it really is the feeling I can feel inside my body that tells me that this is the right thing. That's awesome. What a beautiful way to put it. I love it. So now as you, especially in the last year with the pandemic and everything, as you've, I'm sure like many have had to pivot and find that path. What are some ways that you're, what are some things that you're doing to really propel yourself forward? Yeah. What I can tell you is that, and and I think that one of the things that makes me really identify as an entrepreneur more than anything else in terms of my professional life is that when something happens that's not expected gets me excited because Mm -hmm. it's my opportunity to see if I can do it better based on Mm -hmm. the circumstance. And so what happened was when the pandemic hit and all the gyms closed, obviously my coaching is very health related. And one of the things that I do is I help you can hear my background, but you can't. Now I can hear you. Oh, okay, great. Okay, you can hear me. And yeah, okay, hopefully it's all good. Technology and me, I tell you, we are definitely in a relationship. We are too. Okay. Okay. If you can remember your last even sentence, just we were talking about pivot and propel. Okay. 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 Yep. Yeah. So during the time when all the gym shut down, really, I saw this opportunity of gosh, people need connectedness right now. And people need to also have accountability for their health. And so I, something I've never done in my programs before, because I give out workouts. I have a whole series called the on-call workouts and people Mm -hmm. get strength training routines through my programs, but I've never actually worked out live with people before. And don't get me wrong. I've been to plenty of live classes. I've just never personally led live classes. Turns out it's my thing. So it actually blew up. So I do mostly my workouts are strength training. And there's a reason for that. Most women neglect the strength training portion. They do. Mm -hmm. They love the cardio, but as we age, really maintaining our lean mass is going to be so important for us. Mm -hmm. And So I do strength training workouts live, but I also do motivational coaching as we're doing the strength training and I'm doing it with them. And so Mm -hmm. it's, it created this whole different community.
community where people could rely on showing up and getting workouts in and they felt together and they didn't feel alone. And we actually use data of stress levels, pre-workout and stress Mm -hmm. levels, post-workout. And so stress levels usually decrease by about 60 to 75% with these workouts. And because of that, I added a lot of workouts to Mm -hmm. the point where I couldn't maintain pain that, but I knew during the pandemic that I would have, I wanted to over deliver that, but now that is a main part of my programming. So I'll tell you that the pandemic allowed me to take an evaluation of what am I doing? That's really helping people. And how can I do more of that? And so through it, I have found that. And so my business actually then branched off into kind of two subsets where I have a a membership style program where we're doing the workouts and it's accountability and it's a lot of community. And then I have a CME program that's more intense coaching type of thing, but that Mm -hmm. wouldn't have happened if COVID didn't happen. I love that really seeing the options and opportunities and even asking yourself, like, what, what do I do next? And I love how you really took account of what your strengths were. You know, Mm -hmm. what am I doing that is first bringing me joy? And also what am I doing that I'm good at Mm -hmm. and in doing it? And I do have to say, I have done one of your workouts and I don't usually do, I've been really struggling with working out during the pandemic and just experimenting with different things, but I loved how it was just working, working out live with you and hearing some of that motivational coaching and feeling like, okay, yeah, I can do this. And I believe in myself and all of that. So I think that's an incredibly powerful way for us to connect to one another. So Mm -hmm. thank you so much for what you do. Oh, and I love it. And then that just became something that now I will say is a really core part of the program, but I'll say in the health space, and especially as women physicians, there's a lot of things we can't control. So when we feel out of control, we try to control like our bodies. So Mm -hmm. there tends to be a lot of dieting and trying to change how we look and all these things. But with the strength training, I've really been able to use that as a tool to help people optimize their genetic potential Mm -hmm. rather than having a cookie cookie cutter recommendation for what their BMI should be or Mm -hmm. something crazy like that. So it's been a great way for, I think, women to accept their bodies more, which has created more joy, I think, overall. And that's another thing I'm really proud of because the program has shifted that a lot based on the empowerment we're getting from doing things that we can control. Awesome. I would love to explore a little bit more just being in that space of what are things that we can control and how do we optimize, right? Our biology, our genetics, how do we live in our, how do we live in our strengths? So any thoughts on how do we set realistic goals and expectations and how do we optimize our strengths in that space? Yeah, I love that question. A lot of different things, but I'll break it down in a way that I think all of us can start implementing right now. The idea is that we actually do really have to accept where we are right now. And that's really hard for a lot of people because Mm -hmm. we think if I accept where I am right now and I'm not happy physically where I am, then that's basically saying I give up. But then what happens is they put themselves under pressure. There's disappointment. And so with those feelings, they're not going to take actions that are actually going to be sustainable, consistent actions. Mm -hmm. That's where you get into the diet mentality and the over-exercising mentality. And so what I want to just put out there is, especially if you are 35 and over, anything that you can do consistently is going to be the way to go. Okay. So in terms of setting goals, again, we do, we talk a lot about just like really understanding your body because for all the different bodies out there, there are certain realistic goals that we can achieve. So if you're somebody that has a very muscular body type, and maybe you do hold on to a little bit of additional body fat and you have a larger bone structure, 
there. You're not going to be a lightweight. You just aren't. And that's okay. And actually it's pretty amazing and powerful. And so I think the idea is within whatever you are, like, how do you actually go ahead and really embrace that? I have one woman right now that I've been working with for the past year. And I'm not kidding you when I say she could have gone to the Olympics. That's how strong Mm -hmm. she is. And she didn't know that she was an athlete until she started working with me. So I'm just saying that because I think we are trying to put ourselves into these societal norms Mm -hmm. about how we should look, how we should behave, what we should want. When in fact, like our strength and our gifts are going to be discovered when we're able to think outside the box and, and really go with kind of our strengths. And so I think setting the realistic goal is about, okay, what is my why? All right. So really what is my why in terms of my health? I have one woman this week that said, you know what? I really thought about that. And my why is that everybody in my family has cardiovascular disease. And so I'm not trying to be a certain number anymore. I want to decrease my risk of cardiovascular disease. So how do you recommend I measure that? And so I said, for you, I I would care much more about your waist circumference. So let's actually find an outfit you like trying on and let's use that as our gauge. You can even use a, a measuring tape as well, but let's go with your waist circumference. So that's what we're focusing on for her. And so the idea is setting goals are first of all, accepting where you are, deciding on something that you can be consistent with, and then also just really understanding your why. Okay. And then from there, that's where it gets really fun and creative Mm -hmm. because you have to decide. And what I say is for you to achieve sustainable results, your lifestyle, okay. And your willingness to participate in the habits have to balance. Okay. Because if you have these like really high expectations, let's say, Oh, I want to be a fitness competitor. I want to like make money. And I always tell my clients, I say, unless you're making money, don't ask me to calculate your macros. Like just don't, cause I'm not going to. Uh-huh. And so it's basically finding that realistic place. Okay. So I know for mm-hmm. me, it's, I want to feel really good in my own skin. I want to be fit. I want to keep getting stronger. I want to actually gain a little bit of muscle mass. Cause I know that's going to really preserve my metabolism as I get older. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing too, is like blind spots. That's the next piece I would talk about. We all try to do these really intense things. We're like, okay, I'm going to do my Peloton for 50 minutes, five days a week. And then I'm going to not going to eat carbs. It's like all this crazy talk. Cause we have these limiting beliefs that's going to work for us. So there's these blind spots that actually are much simpler. If we can identify them that are really holding us back from getting our results. And one of the big things is our NEAT, which is our non-exercise activity thermogenesis. And basically what that is, it's the opposite of eat is when we plan the exercise. So eat mm-hmm. is exercise activity thermogenesis. So we're like, I'm going to do the Peloton. I'm going to do the elliptical. I'm going to do a weight training session, but neat is how many steps are you taking every day? How much are you moving? Are you fidgeting around? Are you right? Because then the experts believe that actually the difference between somebody who's going to maintain a normal, a healthy, normal, when I say normal, I mean like a healthy weight versus somebody that's going to have trouble getting to a place that's going to be a healthy, optimal space Mm -hmm. is this neat. And so what we're doing in my groups now is we're having a 10,000 step challenge. Every look at this. Everybody has these (laughs) pedometers now because Mm -hmm. this is something that we can do. This is Mm -hmm. a lifestyle intervention. And so it's blind spots. Weekends are a blind spot. People think Mm -hmm. that they're really good during the week. And then the weekend is out of control. But to be honest, I actually do. I tell everybody I'm a guinea pig for myself. So I do everything you can imagine. I try so that I can advise. And so I actually have done metabolic testing where Mm -hmm. I'm actually knowing if I'm burning fat or not. And so what I found is if I do really great during the week, I'm on point with my activity, I'm eating really balanced and 
And then I'm by that whole week, I'm in that range where I'm burning fat and some carbs, but a good portion of fat. If I have a killer weekend, it takes me four days. What I mean by killer is if I'm just like really not caring, having a ton of fun, eating when I'm not hungry, it takes me four days to even get to a place where my body burns any fat. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. I didn't realize that's interesting. And I love that you using metabolic testing and like really just going at it from a science perspective to see what is possible, what's not. I I think that's so important because especially I think with the women I work with, obviously Mm -hmm. I work with physicians and really high achievers and they will buy in if they can see the science. So I think it's really important for me to show them the science. So I always say that my approach is very much an intuitive meets science approach because I use a lot of intuition as well, because Mm -hmm. I don't think, I think unless you're, like I said, on a stage making money for your abs, then I don't want you to be like, you're (laughs) doing your macros obsessively, unless it works for you. Of course it does work for. Yeah. And honestly, I've, I feel like I've tried so many different eating patterns to see what does work for me. And sometimes it is that you do have to experiment a little bit and use some intuition Mm -hmm. and find, because you don't want to end up what you think of as a diet, which is really people say, oh, I'm going to go on a diet. It's just an eating plan. It doesn't actually mean anything more than that, but then you go on a diet and what happens when you come off it? Yeah. So that's something that I think that's really important. And how much are we messing up our metabolism when we keep doing that? Yeah, that's interesting. So you bring up, I could literally talk about this all day long, <laughs> but I don't ever recommend if somebody's goal to achieve their optimal health. Mm-hmm. And I always talk about it in terms of optimal health, because I work with people that want to gain weight. So I, I talk about optimal health. Mm-hmm. So if somebody believes that losing body fat will help them achieve optimal health, okay, then the idea is that we have to be able to achieve that result by doing methods that are going to be forever methods. Exactly. It's like this whole idea of, and then I'm going to get to maintenance. And then if you look online, it's, and then bump your calories up to 800 extra, not going to work. Not if you're 35 (laughs) and older, it's not going to work. Yeah, no, it's true. I definitely have tried all of that. So I can definitely support that. It doesn't work because our body, what we need are lifestyle interventions and, and lifestyle changes that are sustainable that we can do forever, as opposed to doing some thing. And then three months or six months or whatever later, we're going to be in this other phase. Our body is just used to that. And it's just, it's going to gain all of that weight and back. And interesting you say, because one of the things that happen is if you, and this is why I'm such a big fan of strength training. Mm-hmm. So if you go into a deficit and that's how I talk about weight loss, you have to be in a deficit anyway, anybody wants to slice it. If everybody believes that, that when the obesity code came out, everybody thought you could just eat endless amounts of fat. And as long as you weren't eating carbs, you would lose weight. <laughs> well, it's not true because you need to actually have a deficit. So if you are in deficit, I mean, you're losing mass. Okay. If you are not strength training, then for every pound of weight you lose on the scale, about 25% can be lean mass. And again, Mm. lean mass can be muscle. It can be water. It can be organs. It can be all those things. Mm. But the idea is if you add strength training just to, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be like out of control either, but two sessions, three sessions a week, then that lean mass loss, you can decrease that to about 8%. So you will lose some, but you can preserve. Some people have the body type where they could actually gain a little bit of muscle. And that's a really particular body type that's mesomorph, like pure mesomorph, but in general. So we have to preserve that lean mass because as you're speaking, our metabolism, yes, our total energy expenditure will go down if our lean mass goes down. Yeah, absolutely. Now, if really, when you start biohacking, when you start to explore, what are ways that we can optimize our, you mentioned genetic potential and and really optimizing our biology. What are some other techniques 
extra tips that you've used. You mentioned about knowing your, whether you're an endo, ecto, or mesomorph. I, I presume one way. Would you mind talking a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah. This is like my thing. I love talking about biohacking because it, <laughs> it works. So I'm going to talk about two hormones, if you will. So leptin is my favorite one to talk about. So leptin and ghrelin and leptin is really interesting, but this is a biohack. So this is why I like talking about leptin, but what happens is as our bodies. So if you are trying to lose fat, let's just say as our bodies lose fat, our leptin levels actually go down. When our leptin levels go down, our body says I'm starving. Don't release any more body fat because I'm starving. So what happens is that's like where you typically will see maybe a plateau or something like that. What's happening really is when we are getting down into the nitty gritty of the lower body fat. And for some people that might be like if normal body fat for a woman can be up to 30%. So maybe you're getting to the 24% range and your leptin's not happy with that. And so what'll happen is your leptin level gets low. That's when you hear about this carb cycling or you hear about calorie cycling, that's really what it's useful for. So if you are in a deficit because you're losing fat, you are in a deficit. We want to spike up that leptin level a little bit because we want to confuse our body. So if you have a nice carb cycle where you're maybe doing a carb cycle every four days, or I like to use a power meal where I say, go have fun, eat your favorite meal, enjoy it. And so I like to throw that in there at least once a week, because really what it does is it it can really increase those leptin levels. And then what happens is when you go right back to your plan, all right, and back in your deficit, two things, now your metabolism is increased from the increased calories, but also your leptin's happier. So Mm -hmm. then you have a better potential to actually go ahead and continue to make progress. And so it's a trick that I've been using for probably 20 years. I kid you not, I've been using it that long. And I think that it is very successful. I have some higher level people that will do the actual carb cycling, but I don't actually have them do macros for that. It's more of a mindful carb cycling, but that is a hack. The other hormone is ghrelin. And so ghrelin is the hunger hormone and two things that can really set ghrelin off sleep deprivation. So physicians with sleep Mm -hmm. deprivation, right? I remember I'd come home from 28 hour calls and I would eat half a jar of peanut butter, like just half a jar also under conditions of stress. And so what happens is when ghrelin is increased, oh, also weight loss, of course. So when you start losing weight, your ghrelin gets turned on because they're opposing ghrelin and leptin. And so then you're really hungry. And sometimes your appetite is going to be like way higher than really what you need. And so it's going to really work against us to be able to stick to our plan. And that's where people get really frustrated because they're like, I came home and I didn't plan it. And I ate a whole pizza and I'm like, tell me about your day. And they're like, I was on call this past weekend and I didn't sleep at all. And then today's clinic ran really (laughs) late and I didn't get to eat lunch. Yeah. That's yes. That's going to happen. The whole idea is again, like sleep hygiene is another, I know it sounds simple, but even I think that I do well with sleep and I don't, I get six hours and 57 minutes a night. Okay. So trying to get at least, I would love to say eight hours, but at least seven hours, less than seven hours, we start to consider that more sleep deprivation. So sleep is super important and then really frequent meals. And so it's one of those things where it can be hard if you're doing an ER shift or you're, you have a surgery schedule, then you're in the OR for 12 hours or something. But the idea is we want to keep that hunger at bay because otherwise it really can get a little bit out of control. So again, I think those two knowing about leptin and ghrelin is another way to really be prepared so that you can have continued long-term success. Mm -hmm. And the other part of that is we are going to overeat sometimes like we are, it's going to happen. Like you're going to overeat and it's okay. And so I think compassion for the overeating, like it's okay, because this is the long game. We're not trying to get a result that's going to last for six months. And then we're going to cycle back up or down if you're trying to gain muscle and strength. And so the idea is the 
the long game. I think if we can think about the long game, we'll have a better chance of really biohacking everything. Absolutely. And I love that. And really sustainability is the key for so many of these things because we do it for a week or a month and we think, okay, yeah, that's it. And then it's just going to be sustained. But without thinking about that sustainability, I talk a lot about habit building and really building awareness of the habits that we have right now and then deciding where do we want to go with it? What are habits that we want to sustain? Now, the more one of the things that I love about habit building and and building awareness on that is just understanding that when we build habits and make it automated, it actually takes away the decision fatigue and the constant like the constant fight on willpower or using all all of our willpower Mm -hmm. and motivation. How awesome would it be if willpower and motivation were totally optional and you knew that this is my habit, this is part of my identity, I'm going to do it anyway. And um, really building that that level of sustainability, that Mm -hmm. level of automation in your life where you don't have to constantly be deciding, okay, next I have to go do this and next I have to go Mm -hmm. do that. I love that. It's so you're totally, I'm totally on board with that. Yes. Yeah. Now, do you have any tools that you have used? It could be related to health and nutrition, fitness, et cetera, but also just general as well. But a tool that you've used to help you when you are feeling pulled in on all directions, when Mm -hmm. you are, when you're in that own mind drama and because I think a lot of people that I talk to, one of their biggest struggles is feeling overwhelmed, Mm -hmm. feeling like I have all these things to do. And I really don't even see like a way out of this tunnel. What are some tools or what are, yeah, what are some tools that you've used to help you in that space? Yeah. So one of the things, and again, I think that there's so many books out there and the habits of successful people and all those types Mm -hmm. of things. But for me, like moving my body is like number one for me, like a hundred percent number one. So even if it's just as simple as me taking the dog out for a walk in the morning, and that's all I have planned for the day, that's like a way to just go ahead and really center my mind and body together. So it's connecting the mind and body. But the other tool that I recommend that is is really successful is my three, three, two, one rule. And essentially what we do with that rule, and it is to overcome overwhelm. So what I tell people is, okay, you are one person. You can't do everything. You will, you wear a million hats. So what I want you to focus on is each morning you're going to wake up and you're going to write three spots for your first component, two spots for your next component and one spot for your last component. And I'll tell you what the components are. I say, you're going to pick three things off your to-do list that you're going to do today that you, that you have to get done today. So I have to pay the bill. I have to go to a parent teacher conference. I have to pick up the dry cleaning. So literally like everyday life type things, mm-hmm. but really what you want to pick is the three most important things that really have to get done. They really can't wait another day or two, but only pick three, because then I say, if you have more than three, you need to delegate it. Like it has to go into delegation. Okay. What I found is that usually people never have more than three that they have to get done. Then I moved to two, two things that you want to do in a day. And that's where we bring in the life work balance. That's where we bring in the self-care. That's where we bring in. How do you balance your life? What are Mm -hmm. two things you want to do? So two things I want to do today, I would love to take a bath. That would be amazing right now. And (laughs) the other thing I would love to do today is to just sit, like just to sit for 10 minutes, maybe meditate or whatever it is. But those are two things I want to do for myself. And then the last thing is the one thing. So one thing that you really think that you should get done today, but you're willing to leave on the to-do list. And I actually think that's a really powerful, it's a really powerful, I think, practice because that thing that's on the to-do list usually allows us to become very restless 
because we think we should be doing more. And that's a lot of like busy energy. It makes us want to get up and do something, but to just be at peace with the idea that something is always going to be on your to-do list. So you might as well just get comfortable with it. And so that's a really effective strategy that I use a lot in my programs. And the idea is if you could do it every single day, Mm -hmm. that would be amazing. And I have to tell you, I have a one-on-one client and she messages me every day what her three, two, one is, and it has been life-changing for her. So I'm looking it up. Yeah. She messages me every day what her three, two, one is. And it's because for her, we're really trying to work on creating space. Mm -hmm. You can create space. You're not going to be overwhelmed. I love it. And also way to build focus. It's really just helping our brain do that. Our brain loves the drama and and just telling it, you know what? Okay, brain, we're just going to do three things today. We're going to focus on and really focusing on some of the joy as well. Some things that, you know, that you love to add in. So I think that's the perfect way to balance those. If you could go back in time and you could talk to your younger self, is there any, anything you would tell her? What is one piece of advice that you'd like to give to your younger self? Yeah. What's interesting. I actually think that I would say it's all planned out. Just keep going with it because Mm -hmm. everything you're going to do was meant to happen for a reason. It's hard for me to say like what I have gone back and said, be ready for this because this is going to happen. But no, I actually think, I think because I'm so invested in the journey that I really do believe that there's been some things that I don't know that I'd want to do again, but it's, I think that there was a purpose. There was definitely a purpose for mm-hmm. all of them. I can see that now, but maybe one of the things that I would have told myself is to really start that work of self-acceptance a lot sooner. Then again, but then again, that was part of the journey because I'm effective at helping people with that now because I had such a struggle with it. Yeah. But you know what, what I think just self-acceptance and mm-hmm. going Going with what's, you know, the embracing the journey as it is, I think it's so powerful, though. I love it. We, if you could share a little bit about your, the programs that you are doing, I think you mentioned a little bit already, but just where would, if our listeners wanted to get in touch with you and know more about you, where would they find your information? Yeah. So it's just my website, which is www.lifecoachingforwomenphysicians.com. And I have a podcast. I have a blog. I also have two programs. It's pretty simple. Uh, one is they're, they're both very much health related, Mm -hmm. mental, emotional, and physical health related. The one program is a program that's a a monthly type program. And it's really fun. It's like really, if you're looking for kind of that community feel with other women physicians, and you're looking to get or stay fit and really biohack your stuff so that (laughs) you're not like hyper-focusing on all the things that you don't want to do anymore. So that's called goal society and goal stands for my mnemonic of my intuitive meat science approach. And I'll tell you real quick, it's just get hungry first observe for fullness, allow your feelings, love to move and stop perfectionism. And we focus a lot of our work around those things. Mm -hmm. And then I have a CME program. It's 48 CME credits. It's a six month long program and it's actually called transform. And we do a whole mental, emotional, and physical transformation. We really dive into thought distortions and we really learn to process emotions. And we actually show how you can do a physical transformation without relying on the scale or counting macros. And so it's really powerful. And I enroll that twice a year and yeah, and that's where you find me. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. And I'll include that information in the show notes as well. So everyone will have a chance to connect with you and get to know you more. I really appreciate the time that you've spent with us and all of the wisdom that you've shared. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. For my listeners, if there are any topics that you want to hear more, please drop a comment below. I would be happy to add those to our weekly content. For all those listening, thank you for joining us today. If you found this valuable, please like, subscribe, leave a review on iTunes and share it with a friend or two. I would so appreciate that. I would love to hear from you. If you have a story, 
to share about burnout or overwhelm, please reach out to me so we can continue to build this community so no one has to go through burnout and overwhelm alone. You can reach out to me at my website, serenitywellnessmd.com or Mindfulness and Productivity Systems Facebook page or at Serenity Wellness MD on Instagram. The content of this podcast is not meant to be medical advice. Tune in for the next episode coming to you every Thursday morning. Goodbye for now.